0: Are you comfortable sharing sort of a range of where revenue is today?
1: Yeah, so we um, we are, I think just a little over uh, 300,000 annual um,
0: right now. Perfect. And do you think at any point or at sort of, do you have a benchmark where you would ever consider selling the company?
2: Um, Welcome to another episode of Taking You to the Top. In this podcast, Rami spends time speaking with founders and CEOs from across the globe and asks them specific questions to learn exactly how they built and launched their businesses. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn. Are you ready to take it to the top?
0: All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 76 of Taking You to the Top. My guest today is Nate Turner. He's the co-founder and CEO of Ten Speed. Nate, thanks for joining me today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: My pleasure. So, Nate, to get us started, um, could you share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know?
1: Yeah, I would say... Um, i mean i yeah you know, i've I've kind of noted on like some some bios and stuff like that but but I am a uh a very avid fisherman um particularly uh fly fishing these days so um something I've done kind of my whole life and just sort of a nice uh passion outside of the tech world to be able to to dive in and and learn and and study and
0: practice and stuff do do you get to do that much or tough with the busy I, schedule
1: yeah. A decent amount. Um, I mean, I, I, yeah, between work and I have four kids, um, it's definitely not oh, wow. something that I'm, you know, going on week-long excursions or anything. But, um, yeah, I'm able to, to find some stuff, you know, get up early and and do something for a couple hours or whatnot. So, um, yeah, I, I would say I get to do it a decent amount given <laughs> given how, how busy <laughs> I am. But,
0: but, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. And uh, could you tell us a bit about your background? What did you do before you started 10-Speed?
1: Yeah, so I um, I spent a couple years uh, early in my career um, doing like uh, at a, a small agency doing you know SEO and PPC and, and website rebuilds and that kind of stuff, um, and then spent almost nine years at Sprout Social. Um, so joined as the the first marketer, um, and then was there for yeah about eight and a half years and helped scale from hundred hundred thousand to a hundred million in ARR uh, and kind of help build a team and really lead the, um, sort of the, the, customer acquisition, um, demand generation, um, side of, of marketing. So bringing in a lot of the, the, the new business stuff, okay um, that that's really kind of been, um, the bulk of, of my career prior to, to 10 speed.
0: Okay. And what led you to start 10 speed? Was there like a sort of problem you found that you want to solve or you thought, okay, it's time for me to go at it on my own.
1: Yeah. Um, so 10 speed is a, like a content optimization agency. So we, we work with companies to help, um, create, uh, SEO content and, and kind of fuel organic growth. Uh, but also, uh, optimize existing content, uh, to help kind of, um, uh, boost the the performance they already have from, from their content. And so, um, that, uh, was uh, it, we did a lot of, of, of what we do with tend to be, we did a lot of that with 10 uh, excuse me, with sprout social, um, over the years, just growing, uh, the sprout social blog and, you know, organic being an important channel for, uh, for new revenue. Um, we had a lot of, of time to kind of, you know, build and scale that. So, That blog grew to about a million um, visits a month. And so in that process, you know, we really covered everything from technical SEO to content strategy, you know, repurposing, um, you know, processes with uh, freelancers, kind of anything and everything you could imagine. Um, So you did a lot of that. And then I was, uh, after I left Sprout, I consulted with some SaaS companies uh, for a little over a year and just found that that was, um, an area that continued to be, um, difficult to, to have the expertise in house. Um, so mm-hmm. I found that being a part that I was consulting on a lot because, you know, there was maybe a content marketer who did a lot of stuff, but not necessarily uh, deep expertise in SEO, um, or they're just a smaller team that that couldn't, uh, reasonably have that, that function be staffed in house. And so, um, that was important. And my co-founder uh, was the head of marketing at another company and um, had a lot of success with with content and SEO uh, in, in scaling their growth. And so that was just something that we together just sort of talked through and said, this is something that we think is, is massively valuable for not just B2B companies, but also you know, e-commerce uh, as well. Um, and it's just also not something that uh, most companies can make that hire in-house, um, but also don't necessarily need to work with like a more traditional full-service digital marketing agency. Um, and so we felt that if we could really specialize and have a, a a specific service, we could layer that on with with companies and and help them uh, get results over time. So, um, that's, that's essentially how it came to be was like a, a ton of, of practice and experience over time. And then, uh, through consulting and some other stuff, really just seeing, um, that that's, that's a common need for companies. That they just don't have it in house.
0: Sure. And is, is there a specific sort of size company you work with and you won't go below that or could like, could I approach you as a one man show and, you'd be able to help me out with that.
1: Um, I would say typically um, you know, if you thought about it from like the sort of the, the venture capital world, I would say like sort of a series a type company um, mm-hmm. and beyond. Uh, so really when you can kind of get into like probably more like series C uh, you know, larger company, several hundred employees, like, uh, at that point, they're typically getting to a point where they have, um, the ability to have more of the expertise in house. Um, and it, earlier than that, so, you know, just a couple people or, you know, one person company, uh, or like a brand new website, um, it, it can work. I think we're a little more discerning on like what industry it's in, what topics, what the competition looks like. And also, um, just making sure there's an understanding that, uh, it, it, at that point it's, it's much more of an investment over time and less of like a channel that we should expect to see, you know, significant returns within six months uh, when you're just newer and, and building that up. So um, yeah, I would say most of the time it's a little bit more established, you know, maybe uh, a million in revenue and growing. I know that kind of varies on a lot of factors, but um, but that's, that's typically when we, you know, product market fit um, mm-hmm. some, some established brand, Uh, Some of those things typically tend to be uh, the best fit.
0: Okay. Um, I guess the reason why I'm asking is uh, I want to understand how you're charging. Are they sort of keeping you on a retainer every time they release content? You're immediately uh, sort of optimizing it or is it on a per project basis?
1: Yeah. So for the most part, we're working on, on a retainer. Um, in some cases where there's a a company that has already has a lot of content and by a lot, I mean, probably like, you know, three, 400, uh, blog posts or more, um, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes into the thousands, there's typically quite a bit of opportunity there to do a little bit more like a project base over two to three months, um, to, uh, try to sort of, uh, write the ship in as many areas as possible. And then from there, move into sort of an ongoing, uh, retainer relationship but most yeah most are definitely in sort of the ongoing retainer uh, because it's something that um, you know we don't like do all the research bake a strategy and hand it over uh, because that becomes a very static uh, um, thing that you know even just a few months in could become uh, outdated and so we're we're really doing it we obviously do the research up front but we're doing it on an ongoing basis so uh, just like we would, uh, you know, running it in house, where you know we're not uh, planning super far in advance, because each month you want to be able to kind of understand uh, where where the competition's at, and you know, looking at uh, topics and opportunities based on the most recent data um, to be able to to make the best decisions on on priority and and opportunity. So um, that's probably one of the biggest reasons that is an ongoing thing is just we're we're doing that on an ongoing basis and then delivering. Um, either content briefs with sort of outline for each post of uh, what should be covered and, and why, um, or in some cases, we also create the content for companies
0: too. I would I would imagine every time Google does an update, you need to get in there and adjust a few things, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, it depends, I think sort of site by site, but um, yeah, there's some of the, the bigger updates, certainly um there can be some some uh, requirements to shift that. It just kind of depends. Sometimes it's, um, you know, I, I, obviously they're kind of always tweaking and, and adjusting stuff on an ongoing basis. But um, I would say the bigger factor is probably actually competition, because um, when anytime you're in a in a space that's, um, you know, even just a couple uh, website, not even necessarily direct product competitors, but like uh, even just websites writing a lot on a lot of the same topics, then. Um, it's really just kind of an ongoing thing of kind of looking at what they're doing, uh, what they have that you don't and vice versa. And, um, and figuring out what's the the best course to, to stay competitive and, and not be losing ground to them.
0: Uh, Do you, do you ever find yourself um, rejecting potential clients because of competition?
1: Um, I wouldn't say it's like directly that, but there are cases where, you know, we, we scope out um, here's how competitive the space is. Here's where you're at. And this is the investment that it will require to actually be competitive. Um, And then that sometimes does cause it to, you know, to not move forward. So to us, it's like, it's never like really a, a matter of anything being too competitive. It's just the, people being on board with the reality of what an investment would look like. And also, uh, you know, what that time horizon may require too, if it's, if it's not as an established of a
0: brand. Sure. Um, and are you able to share sort of on average, how much a customer would pay?
1: Uh, pay for us. You're saying?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I would say on average, like our, um, our clients are probably around like 3,000 a month.
0: Okay, sure. Yeah. And um, if I'm not mistaken, you, you launched the company in 2020? Correct, yeah, summer of 2020. Oh, so like mid-pandemic, sort of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. Uh, did, Would you say that the pandemic had any sort of effect on you? I mean, did, did, were you in offices or were you always remote?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We were remote. Um, and it was, I mean, certainly, you know, to, to some degree there was, I would say probably more like the, the macro uh, impact um, of just companies still being a little bit cautious of spending, kind of wanting to see where things were going um, in, in that kind of stuff. But um, I, I would say there's sort of two sides to that. Cause it was, um, it gave us, I think the opportunity to, to really kind of narrow in on like what, what the service would be and like what was valuable to people and and some of that stuff um, without having, you know, a lot of, you know, big launch and a lot of demand right away. Um, And so sort of getting, getting that uh, figured out, you know, over the first several months, I think was, was really helpful. Um, And then, you know, certainly by, uh, you know, even by November, December, we're starting to kind of see, uh, things through a different light compared to, you know, May, June. And so um, that's when we sort of publicly launched was in December of 2020 um, when we kind of had okay. more of that stuff figured out. So yeah, it, I, there, nothing like big, I mean, we were definitely already remote. Um, you didn't have you know, any employees right away or anything like that. Um, and so we were kind of didn't have to, didn't have to pivot or adjust because we were sort of uh, created in the middle of it. So um, yeah, that, that was, I think, Not, not terribly impactful for us.
0: Okay. And, um, how many people have you hired since then? What does the company size look like today?
1: Yeah. As of right now, we're, um, my, is my co-founder and I, and then, uh, we have two employees and then a couple
0: contractors. So total four full-time. Correct. Okay. All right, let's take a quick break to thank the first sponsor, then we'll jump into the economics.
2: Our first sponsor is a company called TopTal. They have a global network to top talent in business, design and technology that enables companies to scale their teams on demand. TopTal serves thousands of clients, including Fortune 500 companies and innovative startups, delivering expertise and world-class solutions at an unparalleled success rate. With elite freelancers in over 100 countries, TopTal connects a top 3% screen list of the world's top talent with leading companies in days, not weeks. Visit toptal.takingyoutothetop.io That's T-O-P-T-A-L dot and get an 80-hour no-risk trial period so you only have to pay if you're satisfied with the work. Get started
0: hiring with TopTal today. All right, Nate, to jump into the economics, I know um, as an agency, it's usually not a requirement to raise capital, uh, but have you raised any at all for any reason? Uh, No, we have not. Okay, so completely bootstrapped. And... Are you comfortable sharing sort of a range of where revenue is today?
1: Yeah. So we, um, we are, I think just a little over uh, 300,000
0: annual um, right now. Perfect. And do you think at any point or at sort of, do you have a benchmark where you would ever consider selling the company?
1: Um, I mean, cert- certainly open to it. I think um, you know one of the things we knew going into this was just that we we were um, creating a pretty niche service um, and not trying to be uh, you know like a um, a one stop shop for for everything SEO or everything content marketing. Um, and so I think we've kind of known that that's uh, a decent possibility that our our specific focus could make it um, uh, attractive to to larger or, you know, bigger um, agencies that would uh, potentially be able to kind of fold our, our service into what they're doing. So it's definitely, it's definitely an opportunity. I think um, we, we sort of see it as like, that's a potential outcome. Uh, there's, I think the, the potential that we could, build uh, some sort of software product to um, end up kind of having a little bit of that like uh, SAS um, and in services hybrid um, type of approach um, or you know a couple other areas around like just building more education and, and training components so I think there there's a couple different outcomes a couple of which would be you know longer term you know build and, and run the company for a long time and, and the, other, the other would be uh, potentially to have opportunity to, to sell and 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 fold into a larger agency.
0: Okay, all right, um, Nate. This next section is about way in the beginning when you were validating the idea and your current mm-hmm. marketing strategy. So, I mean, when you started the company, did you know from your Sprout days that this would just go the way you wanted to go? Or did you go any, did you go through any specific, um, validation process?
1: Yeah. Um, I think at in the, at the big picture level, we knew it worked, um, just from, yeah, Sprout as well as my co-founders company and the consulting that I was doing. Um, I, I think that was that was definitely, um, something that we had confidence at at the high level. And it was a question of like, how do we actually turn it into a service that is effective? And also like, you know, I've worked with agencies in the past where like, it can be extremely time consuming, just trying to manage the agency itself. And so, uh, you know, that was important to us. Like how do we create something that's affordable and gets results and is something that like is is predictable and understood and just feels really easy uh for the client and so um i think that was probably the the bigger area that we wanted to validate um and so we worked with um we had a company that that i had uh consulted with in the past and i thought could be like a pretty good candidate and so um just, you know, worked with them early on as sort of a, a beta customer to, um, uh, to see how it would go. And, and that, um, you know, pretty quickly was like, uh, getting results on some of the existing content, you know, within the first 30, 45 days, and then you know, some good feedback on, um, the value adds and what they were learning from us and, and some of that stuff that, uh, we were able to, to feel good about it and, and being, begin to, uh, reach out and, and do some more, um, prospecting there and so obviously we've continued to to evolve the some of the service and deliverables and and things like that but um yeah that that first beta client really kind of gave us that um the confidation sorry confidence and validation of uh um that that what we had could could work and 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 function in that way and then um yeah from there was just sort of of scaling up and getting getting more um clients on board to to prove it out further
0: Um, I guess I'm going to flip this. I usually ask, how did you get your first non-referred customer? But Mm -hmm. I guess my first question would be, do you do any paid marketing at the moment? Uh, No. Okay. So then how did you get your first non-referred customer?
1: We, uh, I think, uh, technically was from some of the, the stuff we had posted on LinkedIn uh, when we launched in December. Um, okay. And then and kind of right around that time uh, or sort of like uh, tied for first non-referred customer would also be like um, I was on a, a an, another podcast um, I think in January and that, podcast it led to a couple
0: several leads and then a couple folks coming on as clients well that i mean that's possibly the first time i've heard that which is great um <laughs> yeah because usually it's linkedin or somebody pays for google or facebook ads or linkedin ads so even on linkedin it was completely organic you didn't do any ads correct yeah okay perfect and um do you do you go out of your way to get press of any kind, either paid or free?
1: Um, not really. I mean, I certainly would would love more press, but you know, we're not really like actively trying to go get it or you know, retaining any sort of PR services. Um, I would say the the biggest thing is just um, you know being able to like do um, be a guest on podcasts like just like I am now, I think that's probably the extent of what we've done from like PR standpoint. Um, And, and then a little bit of like guest blogging as well um, has been good.
0: Okay. And I mean, for podcasts, are you hiring a company that helps you get uh, podcasts to be a guest on, or are you just sort of approaching them yourself or are they approaching you? I know I Uh approached you, but yeah in general
1: yeah um we we did hire a company for a few months um and so we were getting numbers just in terms of fit i think was a little bit harder um and so stopped that and then just sort of went back so i would say now it's kind of a mix of of uh people reaching out to us and uh me just sort of um leveraging my network and, and kind of reaching out to people that I know and, and getting uh, connections that way. So um, yeah, price it, it's probably like a 50 50 at this point, but we did pay a service for a few months before that.
0: Out of curiosity, how much did you pay for that service?
1: I think it was 600 a month um, for three bookings per month. I want to say,
0: okay. Okay, great. Um, Nate, let's take another quick break to thank our second sponsor, then we'll wrap up. Sure.
2: Our second sponsor is a company called Bluehost. If you have a business idea and simply want to put it out there, you'll need a domain name and a flexible WordPress site that needs to be hosted on a reliable server. Bluehost is your one-stop shop for all things web hosting. From design and marketing services to easy to use website builders, they are with you every step of the way. Thanks to their 24-7, 365 days a year live support, which you can get via chat, phone, and email. And any and all questions you have can be answered in no time at all. Bluehost offers unlimited disk space and bandwidth, an easy-to-use control panel, one-click WordPress installs, and more. Visit bluehost.takingyoutothetop.io today. That's B dot And get a free domain name for the first year. And you'll also get free SSL, security certificate, with any of their affordable hosting packages. Start your entrepreneurial journey with Bluehost today.
0: All right, Nate. So to wrap up, um, what's one thing you'd like my audience to take away from this interview?
2: Um,
1: I would say, you know, one of the big things in terms of uh, we talked a little bit earlier about like the, the investment around, you know, SEO content and sort of that, you know, organic channel in general mm-hmm. Um yeah i would say like my my approach that that i try to to give to people when we're doing you know proposals and whatnot is like i kind of want to help people figure out what's the like ultimately like what's the real way to invest and so um i would say you know if if you're either thinking about getting into it uh, at an earlier stage company um or or kind of in it and figuring out what's the the path forward like how much do we commit to this you know long term Um, you know, I would say like that the most important part is kind of really understanding what, um, what it looks like the investment will actually be to, to be competitive and do that. And and as best you can do the, the math to, to kind of understand whatever your ACV or, you know, average sale, um, is and, and kind of like try to have some understanding of like, is this worth it or could we, uh, potentially, you know, go a different route and uh, and invest in some other channels. So, um, I'm typically a proponent of investing towards what you can do with organic growth over um, constantly putting it all into paid ads, just because that's over time becomes more difficult and more expensive. But um, there are other channels and and you know different things that make sense for companies. So, um, I think that would be the the biggest thing is like really uh, understanding. The investment and what it would take to be competitive, and then uh, balancing that with with kind of all the opportunities for for marketing channels to, because then once you know and you feel committed to it, then it's like there's no you know ongoing questioning of like is is content working for us? Is this blog worth it? Like it's it's a lot more clear, and you can you can know that you've kind of made that decision, and you can have a, a be comfortable having a long term view on investing in the the content and SEO.
0: Um, talking about how long it takes, um, did, did you have a plan when you left uh, Sprout Social and moved on to 10 Speed as to sort of like a, a runway, you know, it's quite hard for people when they're making that transition to becoming an entrepreneur versus getting a, a you know, a stable salary. What was your plan? I mean, did you say I need uh, a year worth of savings and off I go, or how did you go around that?
1: Yeah, uh, so definitely um, factor that in. It was because I went to directly into like full time consulting, self employed uh, when I left Sprout, and so that was um, something that I yeah I kind of made sure to get to a point that I had like not a year, but uh, probably closer to like four to six months um, that I felt comfortable. And then just was able to um, give Sprout a longer period of time that I was sort of transitioning out. Cause I'd been there a long time and that gave me more time to sort of line up more work as well. And so um, okay. leaving, I, I essentially left with sort of a, a full roster um, which was good to, to cover expenses. Plus I had, uh, a little bit of that runway as well. Um, but it it definitely was, um, you know, something that it, it just, I ended up being doing that directly, the consulting for about a year before starting 10 speed. So, um, but I was definitely seeing that like, you know, after sort of the initial first two phases, I would say of, of clients, like there was a noticeable need to like be able to, to market and, and attract more clients like your, your network sort of sends you what it can and, and, and all that. So um, I think that's, that's probably been the, you know, one of the bigger things. And now, you know, certainly with 10 speed is kind of in that same boat of like, it, was, it requires more than just referrals. You can only last on that for so long. So
0: um, yeah, so that's kind of been the, the process. All right. And uh, Nate, where's the best place people can get in touch with you?
1: Yeah. Um, so, uh, Ten Speed website is uh, Ten Speed.io. T E N S P E E D.io, um, and email I like, can reach out to uh, hello at Ten Speed.io.
0: All right. Are you ready for the famous five?
1: Yeah. Let's do it.
0: All right. Number one. What's your favorite business book?
1: Um, I would say. Um, the hard thing about hard things is probably, uh, probably, probably my favorite.
0: All right. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying?
1: Um, I would say, uh, can I have two? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly, um, in the th- sort of building a remote company, um, Nick Francis at help scout, um, had the opportunity to work with them in the consulting, um, time that I was doing consulting. And that was, uh, awesome. I think Nick's just like, it's just so like calm and collected and intentional, um, that it was very, uh, it was very cool and interesting to, to get to work with him and, and, and learn from him and just see, uh, the way he goes about you know building and scaling a company with intentionality and and putting the team first and uh really being kind of a, a leader in in the world of, of building remote companies mm-hmm. um so that's been awesome and then also um like uh people like you know ross hudgens uh siege media which is like kind of just on the agency side and um being a much much larger agency further down the line and just kind of seeing uh how how he works and, and, and runs his agency and stuff has, has been cool too.
0: Okay. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for growing your business?
1: Um, I mean, I would say uh, if I think about like what we're extremely dependent on, um, mm-hmm. I would say like uh, Asana would probably be um, the number one, um, which I've kind of always like, dabbled with task management type stuff, but uh, really kind of gotten a lot deeper into like automating stuff and, and things like that. That's become a pretty powerful, powerful thing for us.
0: Uh, wh- what other kind of automation do you do? Sorry, I had to jump out of the famous five for a second uh, because yeah, no automation problem. is quite a interesting subject as well. I do quite a bit of it.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I think there's some things that are like, uh, not, not as like dynamic, but even just like our um, inquiry form on our website, like we do uh, almost like a decent amount of discovery in the, the questions that we ask there, um, Mm -hmm. which is helpful to then sort of like streamline some of the, the follow-up process. Uh, We do a decent amount with like uh, Calendly and Mm -hmm. uh, like HubSpot booking calendars just to, to save on that. Um, And yeah, I'd say, I'd say that's probably like the the biggest stuff right now. Um, And then we're, we're kind of just starting to look more on like the client services side and things that we're doing repeatedly to figure out how to to automate more stuff too.
0: I mean, at at the moment, is it mostly like outbound or are people coming to you?
1: Um, I would say more inbound than outbound. Yeah. Or maybe a, maybe a three-way tie between outbound, inbound, and, and referral.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, so no sort of automated outbound or outreach?
1: Uh, no, we do, we do use a, a service that's, that's helping support uh, outbound. So I, I guess you could consider it automated that... Uh, like, we're not... Yeah, we're not running strips or, or tools and, and loading people in, but, like, we do have someone who's doing that for us uh,
0: to help support. Yeah. All right. Okay. Number four, what's something you wish you knew when you were 20?
1: Um, I think, uh, I feel like, you know, at 20, especially like a lot of younger people, I think just sort of felt like everyone else had it together and, and, uh, was like, an expert did, and, and everything. And so, as I've you know gotten older, I think uh, have learned that um, everyone's trying to figure figure it out as they go, and and uh, and you know people are you know actively learning or um, you know all those things. So I would say, yeah, I just wish that I knew like that I I was actually much more normal and and uh, like others in in sort of figuring it out and and uh, and didn't didn't know everything already. And so, um, uh, just to, you know, be, be more confident in my, my own abilities
0: and, uh, and what I was trying to do. All right. And then the final question, how many hours of sleep do you get every night?
1: Uh, I'd say kind of between like six and a half and seven.
0: Pretty oh, typical. Okay. Yeah. Well, Nate, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, hopefully a year, a year from now, we could have a follow-up just to see where 10 speed has grown. That would be really cool. Yeah, that'd
1: be awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate
0: it. My pleasure. Thanks, Nate. As a valued listener of the taking you to the top podcast, you're in good company. It has also been said that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. That being said, by subscribing to this podcast, you'll spend your time with Rami and a collection of the world's brightest thinkers and founders. All you have to do now is to push the subscribe button on your favorite podcast listening platform and you'll be consistently learning from the very best.
2: Thanks for watching today's episode. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on any of the available podcast platforms so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. If you have an extra minute, leaving a review would help us grow.